Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Strong for Everyday podcast with me, Femi Olatoye. Strong for Everyday is a platform and a podcast that is aimed to empower mums to feel their very best physically and mentally. And we do this through our system called the four M's. Those M's are mindset, menu, movement and me time. We want to give you a holistic approach to your health and fitness as we believe that is the best way for you to address all the things that you need to in the physical and the mental space to get you to live your very best life as a woman and a mum. We have lots of experts on our platform who share their knowledge in all things women's health. And in today's episode, I am talking to one of our experts, Dr. Joanna Abiola. And in this episode, Joanna is talking to us about all the things that she does in her day-to-day life, how she helps women from when they start puberty and their period, right through to menopause. She talks to us about the things that we can expect to happen after a vaginal and a cesarean delivery and gives us her top tips for self-care for mums in those early days after giving birth. I'm really excited to be bringing you this conversation because it's one that I would have loved to have had or listened to when I was going through this myself. So I really hope that you find today's episode useful. And if you do, please don't forget to share this with other mums, anyone that you know who's going through pregnancy themselves or women who you think can benefit from this episode. We want to get this message out to as many women as possible. So please, if you would leave us a review as well, it would really help to push our message further along. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Hi Joanna, welcome to the podcast. I'm really excited to be speaking with you today. Why don't you use this opportunity to just tell us all about yourself? Hi, um, I'm Joanna Abiola. I'm a doctor in obstetrics and gynaecology. I've been training since 2012 and I'm just on the final stage before I'm a consultant in the speciality. I'm also a mum of two girls. So one is three and um, my other daughter is six months old. So so yeah, that's me in a nutshell. You've been very busy. Yes, definitely, definitely. But it's all a joy as well. What what got you into becoming um um I'm gonna say an agani um because those two words are like a tongue twister for me. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not the most um yeah easy phrase to say. But the speciality I feel is just um it's so focused on women, on education. There's a lot of public health involved. And I quite like operating, so I like the speciality where I could do some hands-on work as well as the, the basic clinical work on the wards, etc. I quite like operating in theatre, so that's my um, special interest, really. Okay, and um, when we say operating, we mainly talk about C-section? Um, so that's one half. So within obstetrics, that's uh, care of a woman who's pregnant, so that could be early on in pregnancy and six weeks after delivery, and gynaecology which is my special interest, is um, surgical management of women with a range of different conditions. And that could be um, period issues, um, fertility issues, cysts, cancers, anything in the pelvis of a woman, essentially. And um, yeah, so surgical management of those conditions is is gynecology. And that's what I am a bit more geared towards. But I do obstetrics as well. Okay, right. 
think it's, there's a lot of, I mean, for me anyway, it's a field that I don't really know too much about because I think when I hear of a gynecologist, I mean, I know about pelvic health. I think most people do. And we know that, you know, sometimes you might have to help deliver babies and then potentially some women might have heard about hysterectomies, yes. that sort of thing, but not exactly, you know, all the other things that you, you would be dealing with as well when it comes to women's health. So can you talk a little bit more about what else you do that might potentially be something that people are not aware of? Oh, that's a good question. So um, I'm trying to think of what people may not be aware of. So as a gynecologist, we would uh, see women right through their lives, really. So seeing young girls who start having periods early, perhaps, or young girls with period issues. We also see um, women coming up to trying to conceive or problems conceiving or women with other health issues and they're getting pregnant as well so we manage their conditions along with pregnancy and then all the way up to women who are older and having issues with that might be incontinence problems passing urine and often that is often linked with issues they had probably in pregnancy and issues they had as a younger woman as well so they're all interlinked and it's a really great speciality I like the fact that we are caring for women right across the spectrum of ages. Yeah, amazing. I think that's so important to mention that because the point that you made about dealing with an older woman with issues that she could have potentially um, experienced in her pregnancy or post-birth, um, I think it's really important because often we separate a lot of the phases in our lives. So we think puberty, period. Then we think preconception, right now I'm pregnant, then post-birth, the in-between and then menopause. Exactly, precisely. I mean, I think that's quite common and understandable for women to think of things that way. But, but yeah, often when we speak to a woman and we talk about their history, we do go back to their history as a young girl, as a young woman, older woman, and, you know, all the way through because so many things are linked and it's great. I mean, one thing is we encourage women after they've had the child as pelvic floor exercises because that can impact your ability to essentially um without trying to be too graphic to hold urine and keep urine in when you're older and that's a woman a condition that a lot of women in um in older age do struggle with so pelvic floor exercises for young women older women is is a great preventative mechanism to to support that yeah absolutely i'm quite passionate about talking about that and actually as a woman in my 30s to learn about the things that i need to know for my 40s and 50s and beyond because like you said these are the things that we can do now that yeah. we so often don't want to think about and um, that will actually serve us in in the future yes yeah indeed indeed it's so important to have these conversations and also to to break the taboo or the stigma around these conversations because it's it's essential to our health Absolutely. And I mean, you talked a bit about, and I'm going a little bit off tangent here, but you talked a bit about um, surgery to help women who might have experienced some um, issues during childbirth and post, and to, I guess, almost quote unquote, fix those things. And I think a lot of those things could have probably been um, resolved sooner if there wasn't such a taboo around, uh, you know, some of the, the problems that they might have faced. So, for example, incontinence um, or if they've had a major tear or, um, I don't know, really bad scar tissue. Are, are these some of the things that you see in women post-birth and they leave it for a long time before they come to see someone for help? I mean, of the things you've discussed, I think the most common thing that we see as gynecologists, women of the older ages, incontinence and 
difficulty passing urine, um, problems with leaking of urine as well. And often that is linked to women who've possibly had larger babies, who've not done pelvic floor exercises, um, and many other conditions. And one thing we can't pr prevent is the fact that as women get older, our pelvic floor muscles do weaken and the collagen and all the other fibers involved do get less elastic. So that is unfortunately one of those things with age. Um, in terms of scarring, I don't see that very often. Um, and bad tears, again, I don't see that very often. We're quite good at recognizing tears, assessing them and managing them immediately after a woman's delivered. Um, and women get a lot of support and community in terms of their perineal pain, soreness, risk of infection, and making sure everything's healing well. Okay, that's really great to hear. And I guess if we can hone in on that um, aftercare, um, yeah. if we can talk a bit about what that care should look like in the first few months after you've given birth. So let's start off with uh, vaginal delivery. So I guess there's probably quite a lot of things that we can talk about. So I'll just let you <laughs> talk us through what you would advise um, yeah, for yeah. aftercare, after, after a vaginal delivery. Well, I think the first thing that we've alluded to is talking about things. So for a woman who's having symptoms that she perhaps didn't expect or symptoms that she finds are out of the ordinary is talking first of all to your partner and then speaking to a midwife um, if you're concerned about anything. Usually after you've had your baby um, and you've been discharged, you will be visited the day after by your midwife. She'll ask about pain, bleeding, um, and how you're managing essentially. One thing that, uh, that we talk about as women is the fact that after you've had a baby, it's quite difficult to even sit down. So it can be quite sore and uncomfortable. And often we get advised on things like um, ice packs or popping pop a pad in the freezer to feel a bit more comfortable when you're sitting down. And a midwife will suggest some of these simple remedies. And then day four, a midwife will come again. If you're concerned, the midwife will examine you and see if the stitches are coming together well and everything's healing. And then day seven, again, you'll have a review. I mean, at this point, day seven, uh, the soreness should be easing off a little bit, not completely gone. Um, and it is a bit more manageable. I think a symptom that women really struggle with after having a baby is going to the toilet after they've had a, a tear. And that can be managed by some really basic things like drinking a lot of water, perhaps two to three liters a day, lots of fresh fruit and vegetable in the diet and easier said than done, but not being afraid to go to the toilet and have a wee because the more you get tense about it or don't do it, the more likely it is you could get develop a urine infection because you're holding urine. So actually, um, a tip that I was given by a midwife, personally, <laughs> is actually to go and pass urine and get a, a fresh clean water bottle and actually pour some cold clean water down as you're having a um, as you're having a wee essentially, and that actually helps to reduce the pain and soreness while you're passing urine. Um, another thing that women are told is to make sure the area stays clean and dry to reduce the risk of infection. Things like bath salts and lavender oils are helpful for some women. And then obviously keeping the area clean, dry and exposed as much as possible by perhaps wearing loose fitting clothes and loose underwear. Those things all help to encourage healing in the area. 
Okay, I think those are really great tips. That tip with the um, pouring water whilst having a weed, that's actually a really interesting tip. And I can see that working quite effectively. Yes, yes. Um, I think it's, it certainly requires a lot of coordination, but um, it's, a, it's a good tip in terms of keeping the area clean and keeping the urine as dilute as possible and it reduces the irritation as you're passing urine. And then the other thing I think that women are very afraid of is actually going for a number two. Yes, there's the misconception that you burst your stitches if you pass stool after having um, a vaginal delivery and after having a tear. That does not happen. You <laughs> can't burst your stitches by um, passing stool. Um, obviously, again, back to basics, just lots of fibre in the diet, lots of fruit, lots of water, um, and then gently going to pass, this, pass stool. And usually within the first two to three days, um, if you're eating well, and you've got a good diet, you should be able to pass a normal um, passage of stool. Another tip is to use um, a clean piece of tissue, hold it against the tear, just to give you a bit more comfort and support as you're passing stool, and that really helps. Some women do struggle with constipation after having a child, and that can be eased with really simple laxatives, and that's usually just a couple of days of a stool softener from your GP or your midwife, and that really helps to encourage the passage of stool for some women. Okay, amazing. And I think that would lead us nicely onto doing the same things when you have a C-section or what your advice would be when you have a C-section. So what would you advise um, in those first few days when you come home and maybe even when you're in the hospital, what sort of things should a mum mum be doing? That's a really good question. Personally, I've had vaginal deliveries, but I see women who've had cesarean sections regularly on the postnatal ward. And the women who I see who go home and recover quickly are the ones who um, are proactive after their cesarean section about their recovery. And that proactiveness looks like being out of bed on day one. It doesn't mean running for a marathon, but it means literally having a walk around in the bay and as slow as it is and as painful as it is, just getting on your feet and walking around as, as soon as possible. Um, taking good painkillers because it is going to be sore so paracetamol ibuprofen and keeping the area clean and dry you'll usually be given a dressing after your cesarean section and that's usually for the first 24 hours and can sometimes be for the first 24 to 48 hours Um, and when women have had a cesarean section most of the time you'll have dissolvable stitches sometimes you'll have stitches that Will need to come out within seven to ten days of having a cesarean section and I think most of the recovery after cesarean section is managing that scar and um, it is quite low down it's just above the bikini line and women are given advice from their midwife before they are discharged about how to manage it and um, managing their pain across the area because it is going to be sore one thing that women um, forget is that you get two types of pain after having a cesarean section so you'll have the pain across the actual scar itself and you also have pain across the uterus because the uterus is reducing in size and shrinking back down to its normal size and that does cause quite a bit of pain whether you've had a normal delivery or a cesarean section so women who've had a cesarean section particularly get a lot more pain Um, and this again can be managed with simple painkillers and it does settle with time and again, basics, good, um, good diet, lots of fluid, basic exercise and support from your partner, especially when it comes to lifting heavy things 
and moving around in bed can also be very difficult. So yeah, women should be encouraged to, to move from side to side rather than sitting straight up from a lying position because that can cause the wound to, to ooze and it can cause more pain in that region. So having a supportive partner or family who can just help with lifting and moving if you need to. In the first six weeks, your muscles um, need to heal from having that cesarean section. Um, it's, very, it's very good that you said that six weeks because it is a major surgery. And I think sometimes <clears throat> because you, um, you've had surgery, major surgery, but it's to deliver your baby and then you go home and your job is to look after the baby and you forget to look after yourself. I'm sure it can be really hard for mums to remember, oh, I've had major surgery. I've got to be really careful here. And not just for a couple of days, but actually for six weeks to really give yeah. my body the chance to heal. Of course, as if we were to think about an elderly relative who's had a major abdominal surgery, you'd have lots of support, you'd be encouraging them not to be moving around too much, you'd be, you know, getting support in terms of food and doing things around the house. And that's the same thing a woman should be doing, actually, whether you've had a cesarean or not, but, but increasingly more so if you've had a cesarean section, because you're so limited in terms of, of, of your physical activity. So, um, you definitely need that extra support. It's one of those times when we really do need to think about ourselves first as women, because if we can't um, be strong for every day and be strong for that day, um, then we can't function well as mothers and as partners as well within our homes. So we need that support um, practically after having a cesarean section. And yeah, women shouldn't be afraid to ask for help because it's very, very much needed in the first six weeks after having a baby. And do you think with having a C-section in, in particular that we, what can we do to really instill that in, in women that it is really important for you to rest when you can and to make sure you heal properly? Because actually the um, reverse of that would be, you know, your, you could cause yourself issues with your, with your scar. It can get infected. You might have to go back to hospital and then therefore you extend your recovery. So what, what do you do to sort of educate mums that that, you know, I don't want you to, I'm sure you don't want to scare them, but at the same time, it's also really important to sort of understand the full picture of it. That's a good question. I think women underestimate how difficult it is after having a cesarean section and how the recovery is. So one phrase I say is you've had major surgery um, for the first six weeks, you're not going to be able to do all the things you used to do. Um, you will get better and improve in time, but you need that six weeks of extra care and extra support. And often it's beyond that six weeks. And um, I guess the best way to encourage women to get that support is to speak to women and their partners and relatives in hospital before they leave. There's a lot of evidence that communicating to women immediately after delivery actually improves the chance of them retaining the information and family members getting on board and supporting them as well after they've had the baby. Um, because especially when it's not their first child and they have to care for other children, it's really, really important for them to, to have the support they need in that time. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, that's a very good point to make because it can be very, you know, I think the timing, like you said, is very important of when you get the information to retain it, but also having other people hear it so that, as the mum, you don't go, I, I, it's fine, I can do it. And, you know, you actually have somebody else to say, no, 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 it's not fine. You need to sit down. 
I'm here yeah. to look after you because remember what the doctor said. Yes, precisely. I mean, it's, it's so important. And the other thing that we do within the NHS is to give women information leaflets. So in most of the hospitals where I've worked, after your cesarean section, there'll be an information leaflet in terms of things to do, why you've had a cesarean section, and information about the future, future pregnancies, future deliveries, etc. Um, and this is information that is in lay language for everyone to read. So it's a nice piece of information one can take home because often they don't remember everything they've heard immediately after having a baby, but they can refer to it while they're at home. So written communication and also spoken communication as soon as possible. Yeah. And then you, you mentioned the sort of the intervals of when the midwife comes to see you after vaginal de- delivery. Is that the same for when you've had a C-section? Is there extra, are there extra visits? How, how does that work? So the visits are uh, regular whether you've had a vaginal delivery or cesarean section. Now, it's often led by the woman in terms of how frequently they're going to be, especially after the first 14 days. Usually within the first week, it's day one, day four, day seven. Obviously, this, there may be regional variations to this, but usually it's the first, the first week, day one, day four, day seven. And after day seven, there's a discussion in terms of how often the woman would like to be seen. By two weeks' time, if the woman is feeling um, comfortable and has no issues, they can be discharged to the health visitor. If there are ongoing issues by day 14, the midwife will arrange further follow-up and care. But it, it very much is dependent on the type of delivery, sorry, dependent on the type of issues the woman may be having at that time and what extra support she needs. So it will vary from woman to woman. So it's very important that mums are actually um, very honest about what's happening with them because I think it very much, I mean, if I remember from my own experience, I was very much like, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine. And, you know, thankfully I was fine, but I think very often we can still be in, in that, I don't know if it's the adrenaline or or just feeling like we have to just say that we're okay. And again, talking about taboos and removing shame of actually owning up to them, there being issues. Um, so we actually have to be very honest and say, actually, I would, I would like you to come again in, in, the, in the next week for another few times to make sure that I am doing okay because I am feeling a little bit fragile yeah. or whatever it might be. Precisely. I, I was similar. I felt um, that euphoric state by day two, day three, after having my first child. And I remember driving and I was like, I'm going to church. It's Sunday morning and I'm getting in the car. And um, yeah, I was feeling like I was some kind of superwoman getting in the car. Like, yep, I'm all ready. I'm going to be on time for church. I'm in the car. I'm ready. Drove to church. I was driving fine because I'd had a normal vaginal delivery. If you had a cesarean section, no driving for the first six weeks. Um, got back from church and then, yeah, got back and um, found out I was bleeding even heavier than I did that morning. So it's so important to listen to your body, to be honest with yourself. And even if you feel like you are strong and you feel like you're ready, is to give yourself a bit more time because that postnatal euphoria is it's hormonal and it's good. It's good for our mental health, but it can fool you into thinking you're stronger than, than you actually are. Yeah, when we did um, NCT with, with um, Elsie, well, before she was born, um, the lady that led our course said the same thing, that there was a lady uh, prior to us who had done the course and she saw him blue water the day after giving birth. And she was like, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine. And she said the same thing. It's because of that, that post-birth euphoria, the hormones, and you think you, you, can, you can literally do anything. And 
in fact you need to do the opposite you need to rest you need to um really allow your body to heal firstly it's so important i think we underestimate the ordeal our bodies go through um and we, we see people around and it's the excitement or well, maybe not 2020 because we're not having as many visitors but the excitement of a new baby visitors family your partners at home more than they used to be and it can get really really exciting it's a temptation to do more than than than, than we should really so yes Sometimes it, it's actually helpful to have a, a trusted friend or family relative to, to uh, calm down. You need to sit down. You don't need to do anything right now. Yeah. And, and again, it takes people to be honest. I think that's the one thing that I'm sort of finding from talking to women, especially mums, is that it feels a little bit secretive. Like people don't really want to talk about all the things that, that go on in pregnancy and in birth and in motherhood. Everyone's sort of like, oh, it's all great. And and actually, you need to be really honest because I think you be honest for the next mum, be honest for the next new mum because when we, when we all gave birth, we all became new, brand new mothers and we need to be told, I think, as much information. That's what I believe anyway um, because yeah. it, otherwise it just feels very unfair when you go through things and you think, why did nobody tell me this? Exactly, exactly. And I think gauging how much people need as well. I've certainly been in situations where, especially because of my profession, I felt I've got all this knowledge to impart and I've they have overloaded somebody and they've been like, whoa, 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 that's OTT. So sometimes it's about, okay, what do you want to know? What can I tell you? Um, because like you said, it's so unfair when you go through it and you feel nobody told me or nobody was being honest with me. Where are my friends? Are they really my friends? <laughs> Why would you not tell me this? And actually, I think on the other side of it is I've got um, good friends who've got two, three kids and had children before myself. And then I had children and then I realized, wow, I don't feel like I supported them when they had their kids because I completely didn't understand what they were going through. Um, and I thought they were just not involved and they just didn't care. And when you actually have your own kids, you offer so much more grace to other women because you get it. And when other women say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm late. You're just like, no, you've got kids. Like that is your forever excuse now, the kids. And it's fine. So um, yeah, offering grace, I think is so important and being honest as women with each other. Yeah. Yeah, I think with each other and with yourself, I think that's probably something that a lot of women don't do. I think that's probably a really great tip for um, new mums. Give yourself grace. Yeah. Oh. I was reading about that yesterday, actually. It just means you don't have to be perfect. No one's asking you to be perfect. Probably the only person asking you to be perfect is yourself. You need to tell yourself to calm down and you don't need to be perfect for anybody. Nobody's expecting perfection. Um, yeah, grace and kindness. They're just so, so necessary at, the, at this point in our lives, really. Yeah. Talking a little bit, I guess, about um, the C-section just a bit more. What can women do to, to care for their scar? You know, what are some of the things that they might need to look out for um, to make sure that it is healing the way it's supposed to be healing? Um, because, you know, I've spoken to um, women who after, you know, 10, 20 years are finding their scar is really red and looks quite angry. So is that something that can be um, combated early on? And, you know, not having had a C-section myself, what are some of the tips that, you know, you, you would give to, to new mums? Yeah, so... Um... Again, a C-section is major surgery and you're likely to have a scar probably about 15 centimetres in, in width. The best thing in terms of healing is keeping it exposed as much as possible, letting 
it's air dry um, making sure that you don't have dressings on it too long because the dressings can get quite warm and moist and in that environment bacteria can grow and increase the risk of an infection in terms of infection there are some really basic things to look out for that's like redness around the wound and um, oozing around the wound if the pain suddenly increases dramatically when it was previously at a lower level and it increases dramatically rather than you know slowly reducing that's quite a worrying sign swelling around the wound is sometimes a, a, a symptom of infection or a collection of blood under the wound which can be quite um, worrying and can be managed if spotted promptly and other things some really vague symptoms um, that women should be aware of things like um, vomiting um, diarrhea not feeling quite well chest pain shortness of breath swelling in the lower legs because after major surgery there are other conditions that obstetricians that we're really really keen to look out for that's um, sepsis which is an overwhelming overwhelming infection or a deep vein thrombosis that's a clot in the legs and these can happen after a major surgery like a cesarean section um, most women don't have this and they're, they're not common thankfully but those are things that a woman who's had a cesarean section should um, look out for. And yes, these are things that women are advised to look out for by their midwife and their doctor after having an operation and should be given written information when they go home as well about it. Okay, so it's, it's really important that you read the information that you've been given at the hospital. <laughs> it can be quite overwhelming though, I have to say. Um, and actually that's when a partner around helps because you can actually just suggest that they have a look through and then they also know what to look out for. They know what to ask you about as well. Um, so it's not just the two of you because as we know after having a baby your, your mind isn't just it's not the way it was before so you just need a second to advise on that information as well yeah and I've also heard them um, of women saying that um, one way they knew that, that something wasn't right was the smell yes so women can get um, an offensive discharge that changes and uh, the, the discharge after a cesarean section is usually um, blood with a bit of um, of blood and fluid because of the area essentially and it can get quite offensive if there's an infection so we advise women to monitor that okay i think those are really great tips because i think sometimes when you're um caught up in feeding and you know maybe not necessarily having time to look after yourself in terms of washing and all that stuff it's really important to to tune into those things that might feel different and also sometimes we we fob things off as well i've just had a baby this is probably normal yeah, yeah, that's um, commonly done. And, and again, communication from the, the team in the hospital to you and then communicating with your partner if you feel things aren't right. And actually, most importantly, if you feel anything's not right, first and foremost, to call your midwife. They would either reassure you or ask further questions and suggest you go into hospital. So after having a baby, some people can feel like they don't need to go back to hospital or hospital, um, they're not going to accept them because they've already had their baby women should be aware that there's a maternity triage service which actually sees women within the first six weeks after having the baby so within six weeks there's a triage service that's usually open 24 7 and um, you call you explain what you're going through usually you would just speak to your midwife before that but then you can actually call the maternity triage service as well i had no idea that existed i'd only heard of triage during pregnancy but yes not not after that's I mean it's it's really good that that's available because I think again a lot of mums don't know that that's available 
Yes, and which, which is good in a sense because perhaps they've not needed to go to triage during pregnancy or perhaps they felt that um, triage was only required up to having a baby. But again, the written information that women do get um, when once they've had their baby does um, make note of the fact that the maternity triage service is available. The midwife is your first port of call, ideally. Um, but out of hours, the maternity triage, if you have concerns for you and postnatal wards will often give you advice and um, if you have concerns for your baby as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think that's really, really good information there. I think that's lots to take in as well for new mums. And I think sometimes, I think this will be really good um, for new mums to listen to. Cause sometimes you just want to have, you don't want to read something. You haven't got time to maybe call somebody. So just being able to listen to that, you know, whilst you're maybe breastfeeding um, is probably going to be really helpful. So these are really great tips. Um, I've just got one more question for you and that would be, what would be your top three self-care tips for new mums in this period that, you know, often is called the, that the fourth trimester? The fourth trimester, yes. So three self-care tips. So I probably start with um, sustenance. So that's make, making sure you're eating well, uh, drinking well. And um, my second S would probably support. So support from your partner, family members, friends, because you, you can't do everything on your own. It can be very overwhelming. So it's so important to get that extra support. And the third S is the obvious one, which is sleep. So <laughs> making sure that you get as much sleep as possible. Your body's been through a major ordeal and you do need to get your strength back up. And obviously your newborn baby isn't going to sleep like an adult. So um, it's likely that you might be up every two to three hours through the night. So it's important that during the day when they sleep, you sleep. And the old, you know, the old adage, sleep when they sleep. Um, that can be really hard when you're tempted to do things around the house. But um, the, the best advice I was given is when they go down to sleep, you go down at the same time. And then maybe you get up in half an hour or an hour whilst they're still sleeping. And then you, you've had that first hour of sleep. And then perhaps for the next hour or so, you can do a few bits around the house if you wish. Or just relax and eat <laughs> so so yeah yeah sustenance support and sleep i would say my top three tips great tips thank you and then final final question that i ask everybody and that is what does being strong for every day mean to you yeah strong for every day i think um i think it's beyond just kind of physical strength in terms of like having the the physical strength to do everything but it's the the mental and the emotional strength um, as well as physical strength to be able to carry out all the roles that you you occupy. So for me, that's um, as, a, as a mother, as a wife, and professionally as a doctor. So it's having the, the mental strength, the emotional strength, uh, the physical strength, um, to be able to do all of those roles confidently and to do them all with care as well, because there's, there's no role that we do as women that doesn't involve care, um, and confidence. I think we need to be confident mothers. We need to be confident um, in our professional capacities as well. So yeah, that's that's what strong for every, for every day means for me. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Um, this has been a really great chat, and I think will be so useful to lots of women. Um, of and if people wanted to get in touch with you, um, where would they be able to find you? Are you on social media? Yes, so I'm on Instagram at Joanna IA. Um, I'm also on Facebook, Joanna IA. Um, so yeah, that's probably the best way to get in touch. 
Fantastic. And um, I'll leave the details in the show notes. And Joanna is also one of the experts on the Strong for Everyday platform. So you can also get in touch with her via us and see some of the lovely content that she has for all of you. So thank you so much for today. It's been a really great chat. Oh, you too. Thank you very much for me. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode with Dr. Joanna Abiola. I hope that you enjoyed our chat and found it useful. And if you did, I would really be appreciative if you could share this podcast with any women and mums that you think would enjoy this episode and any other episodes. I would love to hear your thoughts on today's episode as well. So please share a screenshot on your social media. Don't forget to tag myself at Fumi underscore Olatoye and tag Dr. Joanna at Joanna IA on Instagram. To find out more about Strong for Everyday, head over to strongforeveryday.club and don't forget to visit us and follow us on Instagram at Strong for Everyday. I look forward to seeing you in the next episode of the Strong for Everyday podcast.